Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Hello, Chris Evans here to thank you for listening to my podcast. This week was the week that Mary Berry put the breakfast team through their paces in the kitchen. Alistair McGowan told us about his new show of music and voices. Comedian Matt Ford, one of our favourites, took it upon himself to interview Line of Duty's Martin Compton on our behalf and so much more from the likes of Keely Hawes and James Nesbitt and Joe Malone. All of that and more on the way. With over four decades of showing the nation how to navigate their kitchens, her latest book and TV series, Quick Cooking, delves into the fantastic world of fast cuisine. Please welcome our very own Queen of Cakes, the sensational Mary Berry. Good morning, Mary. Welcome. Well, I've got three... Uh, baked items by three gorgeous girls. Uh, honestly, they look ready to be photographed for the book. They look exactly like the pictures in the book. I think, did you find it fast, girls? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, this is from your Quit new cooking. book, Quick Cooking. Okay, Quick Cooking, uh, which is the gist of uh, the t- new TV show and the book itself. So, Rachel, uh, just remind the listeners what you have created for Mary from her own book today. Uh, the Figgy OT flapjacks. Myself and my nine-year-old and six-year-old created it. I must Don't give them some credit. Don't go for the sympathy vote. Hey, <laughs> it's she's, not a sympathy. Ch- she's a right charmer, isn't she? Uh, marvelous, Mary. What have you prepared? What I have- made the red pepper and ricotta sausage rolls. Is that what is? Are those the things that are glowing golden from that lovely They're baking warm. tin of yours? They're even warm. Oh, I've, I've warmed them up as well. Oh, I know. Right. Well, that's very clever. Very clever. All right. And Aussie Jane, what have you created for I've Mary? I've made from book? Uh, the orange and passion fruit cheesecake. All right. Um, which would you like to? Taste. First, I have Mary. tasted while you were w- whifering on about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wittering on. <laughs> wittering on. I thought, As well, is my I, want. I've heard that before. I thought so. I, 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 <laughs> Good I, for you. I, I started off with savoury, and um, this sauce—it's got ricotta in, and it's got red peppers, and it is. Honestly, there isn't a soggy bottom inside. Look there. That's gorgeous. I mean, Can I have a taste? Absolutely perfect. So this is Mira's um, vegetarian sausage rolls. Right. Okay. They're, they're beautiful, aren't they? Beautifully glazed on top. Be- I mean, she's done everything she should do. Oh, right. they're lovely. Just look at these figgy oat. Uh, it's sort of like a flapjack with a figs in, and it's just mouth-watering. Yeah? You find it a bit, it's not a bit chewy? It's a bit chewy because you've got figs in it. Absolutely. Oh, it's supposed to, be. supposed to be chewy, Christopher. Well, well, why did you take such offence then before I got when somebody said it was? You said it negatively. I didn't say it at all. <laughs> and <Nope>. the pepper. <laughs> you can't even remember, can you? All right. Um, and the what orange about the cheesecake? passion fruit cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just divine. She's done it beautifully. It's holding together. She's had to carry it into mm. work today. And it tastes just, just like See, a Aussie, slice of heaven. Aussie Jane is the dark horse. How could I possibly. Sad. Give a first, second, or third. You're not going to go for it. I, well, honestly, every example I've been given is mm. perfect of its type. Really? I'm. I cannot say that there is a first, second, or third. I'll send you all books or whatever, but I could not. 
they're just perfect. Uh, tell us about your vegetarian sausage rolls, Mira. Which, which aspect of this were you most worried about? Uh, the pastry. Even though you did suggest um, buying shop-bought pastry, I had a real issue with the cutting and the... I didn't know whether you had to do it in one long roll and chop it or make separate rectangles and fill them. And I got so confused because I only took a photo of the method and I didn't understand the method very slight, just that little bit. All right, um, Mary, any, any tips for the pastry, the chopping of the pastry? Well, there? I think I suggested to use uh, bought puff, ready yeah. puff pastry, which is very easy. You just cut it into the strip and fill the filling and seed yeah. it and so chop I think it. I... I just made separate rectangles as opposed to one long one and then chopping it, and that's probably whatever what I you done. did. You did well. You did really well, really? and I like the fact that the different shapes because that adds to their artisanship. Oh. All right, now Rachel's super confident in life and, and in the kitchen. Just? Oh, cool. <laughs> okay. Nigh on perfect. Okay, why did you go, why did you pick the, the figs? Because I wanted to make it with the boys mm. and I thought it was a perfect recipe to make with kids because mm. they were able to measure it all out. You put most of the ingredients into a saucepan and that's good for them learning to work on the hob because they're melting it all without getting, you know, too too complicated. But you're learning, they're teaching them about the dangers of the heat on the hob but showing them how it works. And then for the figs, they could just cut the figs up with scissors so they did most of it and then you stir it all up pour it into the baking tray and they bashed it down with the wooden spoon perfect isn't that good I got it disappointingly amazing <laughs> thanks Chris <laughs> it was absolutely gorgeous I've got to say, you're quite right mate they're all perfect aren't they're they all perfect. they're all perfect they would have been totally uh, if it had all been the same yeah. thing I could have given a first but you are all oh, brilliant well done you lot seriously Aww. you should be very impressed with yourselves I'm massively impressed with you all so Rachel touched upon bashing there, bashing in the kitchen, bit of therapy, yeah? <laughs> in your new show, we'll talk about that more in a moment or two, but you do get to grips with tenderising a bit of beef uh, oh. in, in Marrakesh. And you said, OK, I'm going to start beating this now with the, with the pan because you can get a heavy bottom pan. And you said you said on the telly, you said, I'm just, I'm just going to think of something I don't like. And I thought, Mary doesn't like someone. <laughs> <laughs> Who were you thinking of? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but there's definitely somebody, because I saw your eyes light. Up. Excellent thought, evading of the question. I thought, OK, this isn't a bit of show, but she really is. She's, <laughs> that's a person she's sitting there with that heavy bottom frying pan. Oh, there's one or two of those. <laughs> one or two? Oh, my goodness me. Uh, so Marrakesh um, is uh, next week. It's the brand new episode. It's the third episode. But, of course, the one we've, that's just aired that you can catch up on the BBC iPlayer, uh, you go to a festival. Now, you do say, um, uh, well, this is my first time at a music festival, but obviously... Obviously, you've been to Carfest like a million times before. I have, yes, but that's uh, that's different. Oh gosh, Carfest! I hope you're all going. It's great day out. <laughs> I took the whole family, yes. and they absolutely loved it. I, uh, and of course, the boys all just left me yeah. because all they want to do is snoop around all the cars. Around the cars, okay. But I hadn't been to a, a music festival before, uh, and it was lovely to to meet Rick Ashley because he cooked with me, as you may have seen last night, uh, some muffins. And I thought that was very brave of him. He was out of his comfort zone. And then he said, well, um, how about you doing drums? And I said, well, that's... that's well, I mean, I suppose I ought to because she's been so kind. But I hadn't a clue. I mean, I'm not musical. I didn't know what I was doing. But when you have a genius by your side, you think I'll do my best. And he really is because he's as good a drummer as he is a singer. And he's an amazing singer and songwriter. Um, so... Did, I mean, you, 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 are, you are filmed having a go on the drums. I am, and 23,000 people were there. <laughs> I mean, and you look out and people are shouting Mary, and I think, well, you know, I, I, 
it's a bit off-putting, and it's the only time I came down from uh, doing that, down the flight of steps, and my daughter-in-law was at the bottom with a pint of white wine, I sure, and it was so cold and so heaven. So you, you did dive into it. I wine. did dive into it, but then it was bed. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. From grilling Tony Blair to screaming at Nottingham Forest players from the stands, our next guest ticks all the boxes. Please welcome a man that's landed the sweetest gig in television in Comedians Watching Football with Friends. It's the hilarious Matt Ford. Good morning, man. Oh, good morning, everyone. So the last time we came on, this show hadn't aired. It has been out now. We're on the third one, aren't we, this week? Yes, that's right. Yeah, oh, this okay. Thursday. For people who don't know what it's about, please tell us. It's comedians watching football with friends. Um, I mean, it's as run seal as it gets as a show <laughs> title. It's me and a few other comedians watching football. So we watch the two games that are on Super Sunday on Sky. Right. And then on the Thursday night, it's a, it's a bit like... Um, you might have heard of a show called Gogglebox. It, it, it's similar to that in the sense that you get to see what we're watching, so you get to see the highlights. Is it made by the people who make Gogglebox? Because if it is, that's okay, because they could only see themselves. Yeah, I don't think it is. Oh, so no. it's not like Gogglebox. It's completely different to Gogglebox. But, um, they won't mind. Uh, so I think this week... Oh, so this week I was I did it with Stephen Mangan and Denise Van Outen. Right. Uh, and in the other room there was Josh Widdicombe with Adrian Childs and John Barnes. I, I watched last week's last night, yeah. and it's, it's got a bit of everything, hasn't it? So it's a bit sitcomy. It's a bit sort of panel showy uh, from your spontaneous banter point of view, and it's also it's a bit like it's a bit like Frank Skinner and David Baddiel's show, fantasy yes. football, because it's similar to that. Because he's on the sofa and all the football chats going on. That's right. It feels very warm, and it's it's kind of. Um, I've watched them. All, I've watched both of them so far. I think it's really nice, relaxed, gentle viewing. Like it's not an intense. It's not as intense as watching Mock the Week or 8 out of 10 Cats. No, it's not, quite at all. A, not at all. It's quite a chilled out vibe. And are they real living rooms? or Because they, they look like sets to me. Well, they are sets. So the, 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 the clue is the fact that there's a 200-strong yeah, studio audience in each one. there is that lot. as well, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> so they're there. So there's a studio audience yeah. there watching it on a big screen over your head. Yeah, yeah. And then you're sat there with Stephen Mangan and Which anything is, can happen. I think it's a shame because I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, it's, it's all the better for it because you get the big, big laughs and you get the applause as yeah. well. But um, <laughs> if you actually invited some, some like a smaller audience to your house. Oh, it'd be a nightmare. Why? What, 200 people? No, not 200, a smaller audience, a smaller audience, like a Soccer M sort of size audience. Oh, I see what like you mean, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. To your house, where you live. What, my actual house? <laughs> I mean, oh my God. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Oh, there's too much embarrassing stuff lying around. <laughs> well, that's part of the deal. No, absolutely not. I don't like, want people finding out what I've got. Because then through flat. the keyhole could see you as well. Oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> it would be embarrassing. There's, oh God, there's stuff in the cupboards. The mag- I mean, I'm making it sound like it's... Uh, who is, the, who is the most sort of passionate, sort of nerdy football fan you've, you've had on your sofa so far? Uh, Adrian Charles is very, very knowledgeable. Is he Villa? He's West Brom. Is he West Brom? Okay. Uh, he's very good. Denise Van Outen uh, was, was into it. Emily Dean's a big Arsenal fan. She yeah. was very animated. She was very, very animated. Very That's an- the one I watched. Yeah, yeah, she was running all over it. the place, yeah, wasn't no, she? Yeah, yeah. Got her. very nervous. Because the thing is, because I don't support a Premier League football team... I'll be rooting for... And you for... never will. <laughs> oh, man, don't say that. We're only three points off the playoffs, Forrest. Oh, but you know what? The, that really cut me to the core, that. Because I think there might, be a, there might be a sad element of truth to that. No, no. We'll be, get, we'll be back. Well, hang on a minute. I mean, you, you were in this situation last year, weren't you, with Fulham, Vassos, mm. and you made it to the Premiership, and you sort of... Oh, man, well, what a season. No, last season or this season? <laughs> this season. This season has been awful. Right, we need to go yes, to the news. careful what sort, you wish we're, for. We're doing Honestly, it now. Careful what this you is what for. your show's like on the telly on the radios. Yes, this okay. is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, I like it. 
What about comedians um, watching football on, on the, the radio? radio? <laughs> See? Yes. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. As we spring forward, TV is about to get hotter and hotter. Returning to our screens at the end of the month for its fifth series is Line of Duty, the police drama investigating the corrupt coppers themselves. Here, ready for the interrogation of his life, it's Martin Compton. Morning, Martin. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, now, this is you. You're, you have a very heavy Glaswegian accent. A uh, Greenockian accent, west of Glasgow. OK, sorry about that. OK. Uh, but here is Martin uh, doing... Is, is it an Essex? Would you go for an Essex accent? Yeah, it's, it's, it's round about there. It's not, it's not particularly um, specific to there. Uh, probably So nobody gives me any grief about it. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 I would say a London accent. Estuary. There you so go. it's not specific. No, not but specific. But it's brand new. It's different classes. So. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Failure to comply will be a breach of your duties and responsibilities under police conduct regulations and may lead to a misconduct charge under said regulations. Sounds a bit Australian in part. Oh, thank you. Chris. No, no, a little bit. It's exactly okay. what I needed to hear, you know, just before the series starts. Again. No, thank come you. on, you're a big hit. We can have fun with you, can't we? Now, Matt is auditioning for a job here at Virgin Radio. Um, <laughs> They're very happy. Of course you are. And they're very. They they like him. People like him. They've done the 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 um, uh, due diligence. Well, no, the AI. other test. Legal checks. No, background the, the, check. The, the background check. CBR. Just, C- CRB. CRB. The serious one. And yeah. that's all come incredibly. It's all come. Up, it's all come out fine. Uh, but can he interview people? Right off you go. Go on. Fill your boots, kiddo. Martin. Uh, <laughs> Line of Duty is a big hit. Uh, you film it in Belfast. Yeah. Um, these I, aren't questions, these are just statements. These are just <laughs> yeah, you need to ask him a question. <laughs> um, Unfold your arms. Uh-huh. Oh, crikey, so I need to open up my body. Yeah, language. open up your body. Um, Martin, what's, what's your favourite thing about working on Line of Duty? <laughs> uh, um, quite a broad question, thank you, Matt. Um, Cheers, <laughs> the, it's not just, I, I mean, it sounds a bit cliche, but it genuinely is a job of a lifetime in that the scripts and people, but it's, I've never laughed so much on the job. You know, myself, Adrian and Vicky uh, sort of the core of the show uh, were really, really close. And it's violent, so like you get to play with guns and stuff like that. Ah, you do. I mean, I, I've been through the ringer a bit, you know, through downstairs, frame for murder, nearly had my fingers chopped off and all that kind of thing. But it's... It, it, because we've got these massive dialogue scenes and there's so much jargon in the show, it's great when you have those moments. I mean, I, I mean, I think with series three you had Vicky McClure hanging off a lorry with an AK-47 <laughs> or something. I've not quite got to that level yet, but I this year especially when. We're on BBC One. Everything's going to ratchet it up a few notches. Do you live in Las Vegas, Martin? I do, I do. Um, again, and believe it or not, but I moved there to calm down. Is this back accident, not back accident? No, well, okay. well, my wife's originally from there, but um, the thing is, living in places like, obviously, as an actor, you gravitate to the centre. So living in London or, or Los Angeles, if you're there, it's because you're unemployed um, and not working on something, and then it's full of unemployed actors. So that's a lot of mischief. Right. Um, so moving to <laughs> Vegas, where my, my wife's from a military family, so my mother-in-law's a cop, so that kind of, she keeps a good eye on me. And, so we're there to behave. All right, and also you just can do some character research whilst you're at it. Yeah, absolutely. I oh, mean, I it's, it's bizarrely, it's, it's, it's off the strip. It's, it's, it's suburbia. You know, it's, it's really quiet. So it's so I've got there and just I just walk the dog and lie in the sunshine. No, I've, you you read a lot of interviews for, about you know with people who live in Las Vegas. So and you think, well, I think that you know I get I get these people. I like what they do. Yeah. I think they read a few books now and again, yeah. and they seem to like life generally. So you you obviously think it has something else going on. No, I mean off the strip is kind of I mean for people in London it's kind of like the strip's like Soho, but I mean London's massive outside of it. Yeah. You know, I mean I I probably go at the strip once a year if that. I mean there's a 
There's a big Celtic convention in June there. Let's talk good. about Celtic. <laughs> he obviously wants to talk about football. You, Matt Ford has been auditioning for a job here, doing very well, by the way. Apparently, <laughs> solid nine out of ten this morning. Uh, solid nine much. out of ten this morning. Okay, I'll settle um, for that. Yeah, uh, but but of course, he now might be auditioning for a, a job or a, an appearance on your new show on Sky. Oh, you should come on, comedians watching football with friends. Oh, yeah, I'd be up for that. We just watch football. Down. It's brilliant. So and talk about you it. You don't have to be the comedian. You can be one of the comedian's friends and that would be you. That, that, yeah. You've sold me. How big a Celtic fan are you? I'm a season deck older. That's yeah. quite big. Especially yeah. seeing as you live in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know. I keep it taking over, but we're on the march to 10 in a row, so you want to keep your seat there reserved for the for the historic. Because Rod Stewart, who lives around the corner, now Rod Stewart is a massive mate of Alan Brazil's, and Alan's on the top floor here at I, did, I, did, I was here with Alan this morning before I came here. Oh, there you yeah. go. So, you know, did he talk about Rod and Celtic? No, he never mentioned them, but, I, but Rod's, Rod's a big Celtic man. Well, you know, he flies to, every, when he's in the country, Rod flies from, I don't know, it's probably Big Hill, I would imagine, considering where he lives, flies to Celtic Aye. in his jet to That's watch. So cool. It's unbelievably cool. And he always invites Alan, and Alan sometimes doesn't go because he's too busy. Man. Watching I, the racing. It's an amazing stadium, isn't it, Parkhead? Aye, it's great. It's I think beautiful. They, <clears throat> with the, um, we've got, the, with the with first day introduced the standing section, which has just completely changed the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I cannot stand people who say they have, like, second teams. Celtic's my first, they're my English, they're my German, my Italian team, that's <laughs> it. But when I watch English football, I love watching Crystal Palace with that wee corner. Yeah, the ultras. Yeah, that's, I love a bit of atmosphere, you know, people yeah. just to go enjoy the, the day out, you know, just sitting there. Because I hate, I can't stand people who go to the games and then leave 10 minutes early. Yeah, Why even come, you know? Sorry, I did that on Sunday. <laughs> I actually left a minute early because yeah. I had my little boy with me. I didn't want to get him in the crush. That was Still a sacrilege. Okay, no. <laughs> Craven, Craven Cottage has that same sort of feel about it. It's where I was on Sunday, thanks mm. to Vass. I love, I love going to Fulham. I love mm. watching football at Fulham. No, it's a lovely old Don't stadium. Don't love watching Craven Fulham at Fulham. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love watching football. Yes. No, that's not fair. And uh, they were great to us on Sunday. And they, mm. I thought Fulham, have, since, since they've accepted the fact that they're just there to have fun now and play football. <laughs> no, they're, 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 that's what their manager said. Yeah. Scott, Scott Parker said yeah. this. And he said, "Look, forget about demotion or or or, or um, you know clinging on to whatever the wreckage of the Premiership. Mm -hmm. Just go out there and you know go and find your self esteem, prove yourselves again, and fall back in love with what you do for a living." Because actually, this time last year, Fulham was the best team to watch because yes. they were just on a huge roll and there was great big everyone was just having fun yeah. and they'd concede three goals no problem we'll score four and then suddenly they got to the Premier League and everything just got a little bit tight and well, then they not, lost by their the way, you're not listening to Talk Sport um, <laughs> you're listening to Virgin Radio the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio he's been a hobbit with big feet he's played an Adam in cold feet and he'll soon be treading the boards with his own feet in the musical comedy <laughs> <laughs> this is my family alongside the legendary Sheila Hancock. Please welcome the incredibly charming and a little poorly James Nesbitt. Oh, oh. Is the soldier? I was a wee bit yesterday, yes. It's what's, going around, as they what's say. What's the matter? I had a wee cold and a wee a pretty chest, but I'm feeling a lot better today. Uh, so tell us about um, your really, really, really funny poor skull story. <laughs> No, oh no! <laughs> Please, oh Paul Scholes. I was, uh, uh, I was at the Champions League with uh, uh, watching United beat Chelsea in 2006. I think it was yeah. in Moscow, and um, Paul Scholes has got a terrible injury. It was, it was brilliant because Paul finally got his Champions League medal. He got a, a, a bad injury uh, in his nose uh, during the second half. I think he was taken off. But I was at the after show party, uh, um, and I, I went to the loo, and Paul was standing there with his little son, who is the, the exact the spitting image of him. Uh, uh, like a small little ginger nugget, really. And uh, I went and I was standing at the urinal, uh, uh, going to the toilet, and I said to Paul, oh, uh, uh, 
Paul, I'm I'm I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that um, uh, you finally got your Champions League medal. But but your nose is still bleeding. He went, yeah, Jimmy, it hasn't stopped bleeding. And his kid just looks up and goes, yeah, Jimmy, it hasn't stopped bleeding. And everything that I said to to Paul, everything that Paul answered, his son his son just said exactly the same thing back. It was very very sweet. It was great. He was literally a mini me, wasn't he? He was a mini me. He was saying everything. Uh, and then as Paul went off, he went, all right then, see you, Jimmy. And the kid went, all right then, see you, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so funny that it's isn't it so lovely, it's yeah. so gorgeous okay so this is my family starts 20th of April hopefully you'll be back for them uh, the Minerva Theatre in Chichester the Chichester Festival uh, runs from April to October what a lovely place to go and work Chichester for a start no I'm thrilled you know I haven't I haven't been the last time I was on stage was actually you came to see me I, I think did. and that was 14 years ago can, can I just that? say to everybody Jimmy is obviously brilliant at acting on the telly right he's very good at acting on film but you are super super special when it comes to theatre I thought you were unbelievable well, that's very kind of you I, I really mean, did Jim honestly uh, no I really appreciate it and, and um, no I'm excited but I, also incredibly nervous I've been saying for years in interviews oh yes the same you know to just acting there's no difference between acting on film and acting on, uh, uh, on the stage it's very different. I'm now terrified. It's a very big, it's a different muscle you're kind of uh, using. I'm shattered at the end of every day. You know, you're not getting into a lovely car going to sleep in your trailer for uh, half an hour or four hours if you're doing The Hobbit. Um, uh, it's a lot of work, but it's it's wonderful. It's it's. I, I can't wait to get to the theatre. It's a, it's a play. It's kind of a, a, a comedy play told through music. It's not a traditional uh, musical. It's written by Tim Firth, who wrote Calendar Girls and Neville's Island. He wrote The Madness musical at our house. He's just had a musical called The Band about the music the music of, of take that and it's about a family um, uh, uh, kind of an, about a mother a, a husband and wife who've kind of got a bit disconnected kind of moving on different tram lines and it's the, the, the daughter their 13 year old daughter has written and entered a competition to write a 300 word essay about her family she wins a prize to go anywhere in the world on holiday but she decides to take them back to the campsite where they met Aww. to see if they can somehow recapture their love so it's it's bittersweet it's very accessible I think it'll be very familiar to a lot of people but but it's also very sophisticated writing and the way it just like goes from spoken word into song is terrifying to rehearse and terrifying to do but we have a fantastic director at the helm Daniel Evans a wonderful cast and um, I'm very excited that makes me want to go immediately I can't go immediately because it's not until the 20th of April but I'm definitely coming to yeah. see you and this. also they have a great great scheme running at Chichester called Prologue which gets uh, uh, people from ages of 16 to 25 they can apply for tickets join that scheme and they get in for a fiver and there's a lot more things on in the festival as well like Hugh Bonneville and uh, Josie Lawrence doing Oklahoma and all sorts well, when you are doing a play and you've got to behave and be, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. when you've got to behave. Uh, particularly a musical, I know. I know. That's the other whole when, part of it. When you have to and protect your voice and all the kind of stuff. Yeah. You, do you read? What do you do? You, obviously you watch your footy. Do you know what I want to do? I really want to learn Italian. But that's we all, I always say something like that. But I'd love to I mean this is an opportunity. I'm gonna be down there for about eight weeks. Why don't I learn Italian? You need to talk to Tom Courtney. Ah, why? Because every Tom time Tom Conte or Tom Courtney, Tom oh, no, Courtney. Tom Courtney. All right. um, every time Tom does a project, he yeah. learns something. That's amazing. So he learned the saxophone. He's learned various languages. He yeah, does yeah. this all the time. It's just a notion for you, isn't it? Is it's it, not so much. No, it is a notion. I mean, I've done things like that a wee bit. I mean, I tried to do it when I was in the Hobbit because I was sitting around so long, so much. But um, this time, I'd really love to do. it. I'd love to to, to learn Italian. You know, I mean, uh, and I think at 54, am I ever going to learn the guitar? Probably not. <laughs> Did you just look at your watch? Yeah, to see what age I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is that? About? No, what is that? That's at the I always, age of um, 54. Just, and that's, that's like I always get spectacle, uh, scissors. <laughs> I always get scissors and um, glasses mixed up. Oh, I always no. say to my daughter, "Will you pass me my scissors to put them on my eyes?" <laughs> Oh dear. Keely's here, which is great. Uh, Jimmy Nesbitt's with us for as long as he wants to. Um, he's still 54. Just checked. Still 54? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just looked again. 
Still 54, Jim. Yeah. All right. Still there. Okay. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Next up is a wonderful British actress who's had us gripped in Bodyguard, Line of Duty, and the Durrells. Now she's stepping back in time to the 1940s, playing senior civil servant Priscilla Garrick in Channel 4's new spy thriller, Traitors. Please welcome the glorious Keely Hall. Keely Hall! So now this programme unit, it's nearly finished, isn't it? It's the it season is, it finale is, it this is. weekend. Yes, it is. Nine o'clock on Sunday okay, night. Okay, so for pe- who, who, who do you play? What's happened so far? And now there's something happened at the end of episode five. I'm not sure they want us to talk about that because people... We can't talk about that just in case, you know, for, for right. people who haven't caught well, up you tell yet. Us what but you... it was a, a major um, uh, plot twist happened on uh, on the last, last Sunday night. Um, and it is that brilliant point, you know, in a show where it all starts to okay, unravel. So, so pitch the show to us. Come on, I know we're five in, but you can catch up on all the five episodes. You, you, you can. You can catch up. Um, I think on Sky you can catch up. Yeah, on um, Sky Q. Come on, on Sky, baby. Sky, Sky, Sky Q. Q. We're Get here live from the top of the morning. Um, and basically we've been following um, the story uh, of our heroine Fief um, who has gone to work uh, at the cabin office. Um, she's spying on her own country. We know that much by now for the Americans. Um, and she comes to work for my character uh, Priscilla Garrick um, who, uh, who I love. I love playing Priscilla She's very much, um, you know, a woman in a man's world um, during that time. It's post-war, uh, and um, and Priscilla uh, has Priscilla. This is something else we can't really talk about. But Priscilla, <laughs> <laughs> you can. You're Keely Hall. Uh, well, I mean, we you can't. know, I uh, everybody in the show has secrets, um, and Priscilla's secret, if you have been watching, is out. But if you haven't. Uh, then I won't tell you what that is. Um, but uh, but this this Sunday's episode, uh, it all kicks off. See, I don't know why I haven't seen, well, I know I haven't seen it because I've got a million children now and uh, there's no point in even having a television. No. Um, <laughs> which is quite ridiculous. <laughs> you find that funny, do you? Okay, all right. That was true, though. No, it yeah. is true. Uh, but I, straight away, I want to watch this again. How long is your string of hits now? Because if you'd like, it's Man United, you know, unbeaten for 10 games. You've, you, you've not done, any, you've not come close to a turn for years now, have you? Um, oh, I don't know. You haven't. She's I'm, incredible. She yeah. is incredible. Most hardworking and probably nice. the best. Yeah. What about that? <gasps> Isn't oh it nice? God. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, you, you, you two. I know, I know, things have happened in the past, but you two. Look, this is this could. This you, is magic, isn't it? This is but this yeah. could. Listen, producers, right here, of right television now. brilliance. Get these two together. We've never worked together, never worked have together, we? I don't think so. No, 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 we haven't. Your no. paths have crossed, though. Well, paths have crossed, but we've never worked together. Yeah. yeah. He says, he says he's met you three times. Can you recall three any times. of those? Is he making Well, it up no, three times probably. Most of the awards sort of do things at the end of the night. I remember a couple of That's just being in the same room as people. That's like being in the same country as someone. We've met, we've met, we've talked. And I've met with her, our gorgeous husband, Matthew. We've had a few nights where we've spoken at the end of a night. So, James, you've got to go now, haven't you? See ya. Okay, see ya. See ya. Thank you for all the stuff you've done. See ya. After about the show. It's really nice to see you for the fourth time. Bye. Cheers. Swing slow, watch it go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and Keely with us this morning. And you say um, this year you have loads of stuff already to go. It's all ready to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got the Durrells next month. Oh, oh the Durrells oh, are back. The, Durrells. the party I that know. is the Durrells. Oh, the eye candy the that is the Durrells. The final series. Is it? Well, 
Yes. What was the party like at the end of that? Well, we had we we had two. We always have to do two of two of, oh, of everything because we finish it <laughs> in uh, Corfu, and then we celebrate that, and we celebrate the fantastic Greek crew, and then we come back and we shoot here. We do we shoot all the interiors here, and then we celebrate that. Um, so yeah, it it, it was uh, it it was sad, um, <laughs> but it does uh, it does uh, sort of make for a brilliant series. I think it's the best series so far because Simon and I are brilliant writer everyone the producer you know we everybody we could throw everything at it yeah um you know anything that was being saved up in terms of storylines budget and, or whatever just get it all on just there. chucked it oh all what at that. and you deserve thing. it it so. only seems like yesterday since the first episode aired and those gorgeous animated titles came on our telly in the living room for the first time this is before we had a million children and we still had time to watch tv it's quite <laughs> incredible uh, now you've been working with reese iffens tell us about I that have, genius of I a human have. being he is a genius of a human being. Um, we're all in love with Reese Ifans. He um, he is playing Eric Morley and I'm playing his wife, Julia Morley, um, in a film called Misbehaviour. Um, coming up, I think, at the end of the year, possibly the start of the next. But um, but yeah, we uh, we 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 wrapped on that um, just before Christmas. It's the story and, uh, of Miss the World. The story of Miss World in 1970. Um, so it's pretty fabulous. It's and a big why old Why particularly 1970? Why did they choose that year? Um, well, that was the year that. That um, the women's libbers uh, decided to protest against um, well, Miss World's treatment right. of women, and um, Bob Hope was presenting, and they uh, it was before before my time. But I remember, you know, I, I was born in 1976, and still it was a massive was show. Huge. The viewing figures were like 19, 20 million every time it was on. They, they were, and it was worldwide, it so was it was sort of 90 yeah. million or something huge, and it was it was sort of magical at the time, wasn't it? Because it was. You couldn't quite believe that people in other countries would also be watching something at the same time as yeah. you. You know, it's, it's so different now, you know, the, the, the way that we watch TV and the way that we um, do, do all of those things. And it, it was just, there was just something. It was a real event TV. And is there anything you can't, there is there anything you can't tell us about that you're going to do in the future? Uh, not at the moment. No, but is there anything you can't tell us? You just say yes if there is. Uh, no. I don't believe you The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show With Sky The best entertainment all in one place On Virgin Radio Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite Of what Big Wireless does They charge you a lot, we charge you a little So naturally, when they announced They'd be raising their prices due to inflation We decided to deflate our prices Due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Our next guest is a classical pianist. Is David Beckham. Is Tony Blair. Is Gary Lineker. He's even Prince Charles. Here to tell us about his stage show, Introductions to Classical Piano, it's the inimitable... Alistair McGowan. Good morning, Alistair. Inimitable, that's what you did there. Very good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes. This is not me playing in the background, can I just say that? That's not me. But it could be. No. Come on, it could be. Well, on the way in, I heard you say he is now a concert pianist. I've got to say, I'm a pianist who's doing a concert. That's very different from a concert pianist. I didn't say you're a concert pianist, I said you're up to the concert pianist level. No, not at all. You are? No, 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 I'm not. Because I just said it. Well, true. (laughs) But though, my level, it's a bit like if you're doing a run, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got the, say the London Marathon, you've got the marathon runs. At the front, uh-huh. those are the concert pianists, right? Yes. And you've got the other people at the back in the furry suits, also doing the run. That's me. 
in the, pianistic terms. The people in the furry terms. suits are never at the back, though, are they, Vassos? Because they're usually good runners in yeah. disguise, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, and they're oh. usually going for world records. Well, then, OK, we'll take the analogy. I'll take that analogy. Every yeah. year I get passed by the same bottle of brown ale. Oh. It's, it's really depressing. And I was overtaken by a Paddington three times in the half marathon last week. <laughs> I was Paddington listening to... Bear. To this, yes. this piece, this particular piece, which yeah. is um, Prokofiev, I think, or Rachmaninoff's Shop piano um, prelude, on the plane, on mm. the way back from Australia. I didn't know if I mentioned I went to Australia. And I found it extremely, extremely moving. Mm. Um, and then I further thought, what a wonderful thing it would be to be able to just turn up to piano and play this. And mm. I had a good hour-long daydream in which that was exactly what was happening. I could play this. And it was a very pleasant daydream. Thank and you. you actually can. Well, I've been having that dream for the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing about five years ago, and I can't play this. This is really hard. Um, but part of my mission with this show really is to introduce people to classical piano, hence the title, Introductions to the Classical Piano, who may not know that they like this sort of music. But it doesn't just, it's not just about you uh, banging out tunes you've learned on the piano. What else goes on, Alistair? Well, in between, I talk about each composer, put them in their historical context, and it normally goes into an impression of some sort. <laughs> so, now, you know, well, how did this come about? Tell us a story. It came about really because uh, a number of interviews I did last year to promote my album, uh, which I have out as well, called Alice McGowan, the piano album, which came out last year. Uh, people like John Humphreys were saying to me, "You know what you should do now? You should do a show that combines your impressions with this fantastic piano music." And I went on <laughs> Steve Wright, and Steve Wright said, "Well, you know what you should do now, fellow? You should do a show that combines the music with your impressions." And then my friend Giles Brandreth, he said, "You." do a show that combines with impressions with this fantastic piano music and we are really hit. People would come from miles around to see you during the show. <laughs> uh, and I thought, no, it won't work. I thought, people don't want to see comedy and then see classical piano music because I'm not like Rainer Hirsch, if people know him, or Bill Bailey uh, or Tim Minchin. I don't do funny music. The music is very serious, it's romantic, it's moving. Vassos would love it, he'd cry. Um, uh, and in between is the funny stuff. So that, I think, is the first time anyone's done that. Apparently it's what Les Dawson wanted to do and that's why he went into the playing things badly years ago for people who remember Les Dawson yeah. because his audiences wouldn't accept that he was suddenly playing a very romantic and moving piece of Bach or of Debussy or of Chopin or whatever. It's so funny, it's funny I think it's, it's a first. It's like business, isn't it? You've got to stick to your core business otherwise people won't have it unless yeah. you sort of um, seduce them into it or, or, tr or almost trick them into it, I suppose. Well, also my wife said you're not good enough to just do a show on your own. She's absolutely right. I'm not. I can't just do the piano stuff. So I have to intersperse it with, with the impressions. And there's about 20 impressions. Everybody from Frank Skinner I mean, he, he makes a brief appearance to Franklin's. <laughs> I think uh, I think even your old Mucka Moira Stewart may be in there at some point. I don't know, Chris. I don't know if you miss Moira, but uh, she'll be there, I think. And uh, I do a big thing as Roger Federer as well, so I make a connection between Federer and George Gershwin, which I don't think anybody has made before, you know, so uh, that's quite fun. And Andy Murray is in there as well, briefly. So it's, it's it's you know, it's it's a full show, and I really enjoy doing it. You know, I've got to do something that my career's collapsed. Very exciting. Yeah. And your um, Giles Brandwith is superb, by the way. Is Thank he a proper pally or? Yes, yes, he, he, he was in last week. He was so he, he's always he, he doesn't do bad. He doesn't even do all right, does he? He's just brilliant all the Charles time. Charles is an inspiration, and he's absolutely fantastic. He, he's great energy, and he's so encouraging about everything. But yeah, he really encouraged me to do this. But, but you're, you're Charles Brown because you know I love it when I, I hear another impression in the impression that you're doing. Yes, and for me there was a Donald Sinden bursting to get out of your Charles Brown. Yeah, I never did. I never did him. But you, yeah, that happens all the time. 
impressions going to other impressions. Uh, are you, uh, Jacob, re-smogging at the moment at all? Um, Jacob does appear in the show slightly, but strangely, when I do Jacob, I find it almost goes into Robert Paston from uh, ITV, <laughs> and then Robert Paston very easily, as you can probably hear already, goes into William Hague, if people remember him. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. So it's a constant that. bunker, these people going into into people. Have you got arcs? Have you got vocal arcs on your wargs? Yeah, completely, How, mentally. Could you get from all your impressions, all of could you get, all go back to one person? Could you, no, could you start at one and go through all of them, uh, transmogrify through all of them and end up at your... And which would you start with and which would you end up... Who oh. are the furthest apart, would you say? Oh, furthest apart. I don't know. Uh, I, could, I just really couldn't say that. I mean, I've, start, I've started strangely doing Dominic West, who I heard interviewed in something a while ago. And I noticed that Dominic is actually, when you hear him interviewed, he's a cross between Jean-Luc Picard and that wonderful Star Trek voice. And, and Paddy Ashdown had this wonderful fun, funny S sound when uh, Paddy was speaking. I had a great lot of respect for Paddy. But if you put those two voices together, you end up with, uh, with Dominic West, which is quite interesting. But are they, are they far apart? I don't know who the most far apart are. I mean, I, I love doing newer people as well. And, you know, people may remember me from, you know, years ago doing the likes of David Beckham and, yeah, and Richard yeah, yeah. Mayer, people like that. But I've also now obviously updated and somebody I love doing now is, is Fred from First Dates, Fred CX. I'm sure you've seen on various programs. And Fred is like this new French accent, which, which fascinates me because it's not like Antoine de Cohn who used to talk like that years ago. Or oh, Asin Wenger who had that wonderful sort of Strasbourg-y accent, very strong. But Fred has this very modern French where the French people try to sound more English than the English do. And it's wonderful to do. I love to Lovely enunciation. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Brexit. We're all wondering what on <laughs> earth is going to happen. Here to help with some ideas on where we'll be, when, slash if the dust settles, it's the editor of the Times Literary Supplement and author of How Britain Really Works. Please welcome the staggeringly smart Stig Abel. Morning, Stig. Hello. This is the book that I read yesterday. Uh, How Britain Really Works or Now Doesn't. I mean, it's very apt day to talk about this. You can't, but everyone has been since um, uh, June, whatever it was. Was uh, 2016. I mean, the whole thing is still bizarre, and, and it goes back to David Cameron two and a half years ago saying, "I'll ask a question that I don't know the answer to. I'll promise people that that leaving is possible, and I'll let it all flow from there." And he didn't have a clue what he was doing. He thought he'd blag it. He thought he'd wing it. He'd winged everything else. He'd winged the Scottish referendum. He'd winged the election in 2015, and he thought he'd be third time lucky. And then he'd trot around the country for two years taking the plaudits and then retire. That's what he thought would happen, and boy, was he wrong. And that's why his memoirs still haven't been published. They haven't been published, and who would... I mean, what can he say? I mean, and, and he doesn't regret it. Every time he gets doorstepped, and he's such a tempting doorstep, isn't yeah, it, yeah, to say yeah. to him, Cameron, look at the mess you have created. <laughs> what do you think? And he's, oh, I don't regret it. I bet he does regret it. All right, so, so that's the most recent uh, past. But, of course, you go back to the Whigs and the Liberals. You know, I didn't really know about all that. You know, you hear, like you say, you hear things, don't you, in your yeah. childhood and in your education. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand how Labour became... T- came to be the set, you know, one of the two biggest parties in the two-party system. I didn't really understand how the Liberals became Liberal from the Whigs, uh, but that, that's all in here. Um, and also the, the sort of um, uh, the, the, the antiquity of a machine that was basically built to run a nation um, that was m- moving a lot slower than it is now. Basically, what we're doing now with this same parliament that was originated almost a thousand years ago is we are, 
Would this be right? Are we taking a horse and cart to try and win a Formula One race? Is that what we're doing? Well, and that's what we do in everything. If you look at, I mean, and the whole book goes into like the healthcare system. So 1948, we crept the NHS. Brilliant idea. But the person who invented the NHS said, do you know what will happen? Because there's been no proper healthcare for people, Britain will get healthier and the NHS will shrink year by year and year. And you can kind of see the thinking behind it. Yeah, yeah. As we all get healthier the NHS can get smaller and more manageable. And of course, the absolute opposite has happened. Because we've got healthier, we live longer, we get more diseases that require more, more treatment. And so the NHS will always grow larger and larger and larger. And that's still a massive question that the government is not answering. You know the thing that sends me mad, Chris? Mad. Everything. Everything. <laughs> Theresa May, I think about six months ago, appointed 6,000 civil servants yep. to work on Brexit. Right. 6,000. Yep. Imagine if she'd put 6,000 servants, civil servants to work on the future of the NHS or the future of work. What happens when AI comes in and a third of all jobs go unavailable? How do we deal with artificial intelligence? Put 6,000 civil servants on, on that. And of course, we're not doing that because we're having these increasingly weird, self-indulgent chats about Brexit. All right, the best quote is from Bart Simpson when you talk <laughs> about education. And so he says, so Bart says, um, uh, as the sage Bart Simpson noted, when he was placed in a remedial set at school. So, sir, uh, let me get this uh, straight. We're behind the rest of the class and we're going to catch up by going slower. And uh, you talk about, you compare this to Poland's outlook well, on education. And again, education, another really good example. After the Second World War, there was a chance to completely change the education system and Churchill didn't really want to do it. So he created this weird system of technical schools, which never really existed, secondary modern and grammar schools and then still private schools as well. We have not got a system anyone would invent now. Ever. And Finland is the great example. You'll always hear this, the Finnish education system. Well, in the 60s, they started it from scratch. They got rid of private schools, they banned streaming, they made anyone who wants to become a teacher do a five-year master's, including a, a, a thesis on how to be a teacher. And they value teachers. I've heard you say this on this show, and I'm absolutely the thing that strikes me going through the education system. Why do we not value teachers like we value doctors? Not only do we now say someone is wrong... If we disagree with them, yeah, yeah, yeah. we say we hate them and they must be doing it for malign reasons. And the great lesson in life is good people can disagree with thing, about yeah. things for, yeah. for legitimate reasons. And there are always... I mean, I say this that I'm a sort of centrist dad, that term of abuse that, that people say, oh, you're just a centrist dad. I like being in, in the centre because there's often sense to be had on both sides. And if there is a lesson in Britain of the success of it, not moaning about it, is we get on and do things. You know, I have a thing about um, Dunkirk, there's a military chapter. I'm fascinated by the military and the way people sacrifice for each other. I guess it's such a commendable idea that really goes, courses through our history. I about my granddad who was in Dunkirk and I found this dictaphone a message. That, so he'd never talk about the army. And, and he was in 1939 to 45. And I always wanted him to talk, tell me so I could write about it. And then when he died, we found the dictaphone and he'd left 40 minutes of his story and in the, he was in Dunkirk with another lad, of, a friend of his, they were both 19, they were getting bombed, they had to walk into the water up to their necks, but they stood in a queue for 15 hours when people were kill, trying to kill them because they were told to because they didn't want to let the guy behind them down, they didn't want to let the guy in front of them, and they muddled through it. And when you see Dunkirk used as a metaphor in Brexit... It's appalling. Dunkirk and Churchill said, you know, we don't win wars by evacuations. Let's not turn this into something it wasn't. But it's a great example of Britishness that we muddled through. Loads of people did the right thing. Loads of people looked to the person left and right of them and said, we're going to cope with this. And actually, if you look at it, we've never really had a violent revolution 
in this country. We never have massive change, which is why it is such a mess. The only way you get change in a country, really, is by cataclysm, by war, by famine, by revolution. We don't have many of them in this country. We get by and we get along. And so that's a problem in the sense that we don't achieve change like Finland did. We don't rewrite our system. But we kind of get together and get through. And that's the thing I all take from the positive side. So I'm not angry all the time. And actually, there's a joy in... You in, don't in, come in, across in, as in, angry in, at all, in, in, but in, you're in, just very frustrated. Yeah, yeah, and I think we all are. And actually, as the day goes by, when Brexit makes us frustrated because yeah, there's yeah. no answer. If there was a clear answer, yeah. then people, change would happen. You know, if politicians felt 70% of the country wanted something on Brexit... It'd be done in a second. But because the country's split, no one knows what to do. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. Whether you're laying on a bed of nails or making the Statue of Liberty disappear, our next guest is on to you. Revealing the science behind your favourite tricks and having plenty of fun along the way. It's the author of Science is Magic. Let's say ta-da to the wonderful Steve Mould. Good morning, Steve. Hi, good to be here. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Okay, I like a man with a permanent smile you talk, you're like Brian Cox he talks through a smile Dave you do that as well God I'd, I'd love to do that I'd love to acquire that per- you do as well oh my goodness me this is why it's I'm so it's voiceover training time. isn't it when you do a voiceover you're supposed to be smiling as you do right? that's, that's is that what they on. say get the emotion in right. yeah. okay so science is magic amazing your friends just spectacular science experience we've been doing the, most of the things in this book have occupied our whole weekend so oh, thank great. you very much indeed in a very good and constructive way a very positive way uh, so how how did you discover all the tricks that are in this book are they somebody else or do you collate them? Are you allowed to do that? Do you share them? Is it like the magic circle? It's it's a bit of that. With this book, I tried to tried really hard to find stuff that you wouldn't find in other books like this. So right. there'll be things in here you wouldn't find anywhere else. Trying to find some modern tricks and stuff like that. Can you copyright a trick, a science trick? I don't know if you can. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> give, give us some of your greatest hits. Come on now. All right. So this is one that um, this is um, it's a chain of beads. Uh, this is the type of thing that you would find attached to your bath plug. That's right. But I've sort of carefully put them into a pot here. It's about fifty meters of beads. Is it, is it a continuous? It's one thing. continuous chain of fifty <gasps> meters. Yeah, yeah. Already good. That's okay. fun. All right. That's a so lot what of we're going to do is well, the, the train needs to be on the floor. Okay. Okay, so we're going to see what yeah. happens when the end just falls out of the... All right. Are you, are you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Oh! oh, oh what? It's a chain Whoa. fountain. It's a chain it de- fountain. It defies gravity for a while, doesn't it? Until yeah. it makes its mind up, but then it realises it's yeah. got to go towards the floor. How, How does that? that happen? It's very complicated. But um, So th- what happens is, as the chain's coming out, because it's whipping around, sometimes it kind of kicks back into the pot. Right. And you notice every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, it's yeah. my favourite fact. Right? Fact. Yeah, so the, the pot pushes back up on the chain and that gives it an extra little kick that makes it rise Is above the pot. Is there any kinetic pot. energy involved? It's all kinetic energy. Oh, yeah. I love it. And gravitational potential energy as it's well. It's a bit of magic. Yeah, but that one is named after me. That is called the mould effect because oh. I discovered <gasps> No, you did not. That's you discovered that yourself? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Oh, guys. Now, is, it, is it called the mould effect by you and your mum or by everybody else it's as well? It's called the mould effect by me and my mum and right. a couple of scientists in Cambridge who discovered the answer. Why, why Very good. Uh, well Biggins done. and Warner. Let's have a bit that. more of the mould effect, shall we? <laughs> Come on, give us some more, Stephen. Come right. on, so more of the mould effect. Should we do the audio illusion? Can we play that one in, the um, uh, shepherd tone? Yes. Yes or no? Can I- yes. All right, so we're going to play a sound file if you've got it. All right, I've got um, it here. I've got it here. We're Do you going want to put your headphones on? We're going to play it on a loop, okay? okay. So uh, this is... Uh... All right, you ready? Do you want it yeah. now? Yeah, do it now. Happy? Yeah, great. Now, is it going up in pitch or down in pitch? You tell me. 
I think it sounds like it's going up, but I feel like we're going down. That, well, that's, that's a really good summary of what's going on. Actually, yeah. yeah. So it's. If it's oh, what? <laughs> what is that about? I like it. It's a bit freaky, isn't it? Hang on a second. Everybody enjoy this at home. Are you going up or are you going down? It's Monday morning, by the way. Feels like I'm being Here's stretched on some kind of Victorian rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if it's going up in pitch all the time, surely it'll get to the point where we can't hear it anymore, right? Yeah, surely Only will. dogs can hear it, right? Yeah. Except we can still hear it. It's so just what's going happening? on and on. So yeah. is, it, is it a loop then? Is it yeah. a circle of it's sound? It's just a loop. It's about maybe five seconds of sound and we're just hearing it over and over again, but it sounds like it's constantly getting higher and higher and higher. Why? Why? Okay, so this is great. You've heard Sorry, of... why? <laughs> <laughs> God. So, I mean, uh, do you want to turn it off or do you want to keep freaking people oh, no, out? I don't I don't know, okay, right. Leave it on. So, um, you've heard of optical illusions, right? Yeah, yeah. So an optical illusion is a weird picture, something quite unnatural, and it does a weird thing to your uh -huh. brain. You can, you've also got audio illusions. Yeah. So this is a, a, an, an, a bit of audio that's been constructed in this really unnatural way. And it's to do with the way we perceive pitch. So like, when I'm thinking, you know, how high is your voice? Uh -huh. You might think that's a really easy thing for my brain to do. It just, it's like, what's the frequency of your voice? But in actual fact, our brains have evolved to look for patterns of pitch, like um, uh, harmonics laid over the top of each other. And what, what this audio illusion does is it breaks down those, th those patterns of harmonics and does something weird with it and tricks your brain into hearing this constantly rising sound. I love it, I love it. All right, do you want some more? Yeah, come on. Okay, come here's, on a, more. here's another quick one that you can do uh, really easily at home. Just take your phone out, get a remote control like this. So a remote control works by infrared, you might yes, know. Yes. So when you point it at the TV and press the button, you can't see what's happening because it's infrared, but there is this infrared beam. Turns out camera phones can see in infrared. So look, I'll show you this. Um, if I shine the um, remote, can you see it's flashing there? Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? I shook. Let's have a look. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's the infrared, is it? Yeah. It's okay. like the Northern Lights. You go. <laughs> only, so only, only pink and um, <laughs> yeah. battery operated. Uh, oper powered. But as in not being seen by the naked <laughs> no, eye. No, I know versus, what you mean. Yeah. I, got, no, I didn't know what you meant. One final tip for yes. Vassos as he comes over, because he's going to get jet lag, right? Um, some scientists did ex some experiments a little while ago with hamsters. Uh -huh. They gave the hamsters jet lag, mm. and half of them they did nothing with, and they just had to recover from jet lag. The other half they gave um, Viagra. And they recovered. <laughs> <laughs> they recovered in half the time. Well, do you know he's not had jet lag for a good few years now, Vassos? That's interesting. This is very interesting. <laughs> is there a reason for that? Is what's the science behind that? Yeah, Do we know? Right. Um, there's a side effect of Viagra that uh, produces a chemical that speeds up your body clock. Who so thought to do up. this to hamsters? <laughs> what else did they try first? I told someone, and they said, "Well, at least the hamsters had a holiday." And I thought, you Way! know, I don't think that's how it went down. To right. Science is magic for all the family. Mostly. There <laughs> you go. Uh, Steve Moore, Steve, thanks so much. Thanks a lot. That was awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Our next guest is responsible for creating a candle revolution, telling her remarkable tale in her new book, My Story. Please welcome one of the most successful entrepreneurs of our time and a really lovely smelling person to boot. <laughs> it's Joe Malone. Morning, Joe. Morning. Welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back again. So, it's... Uh, it's lovely to be here. Celebrating 25 years as a shopkeeper. Yep. Okay. I love that. Tell us about your first morning in your first shop. 
Uh, so my first job was a flower shop mm-hmm. and I was 15, 16 years old. Um, loved it. I got fired from that because I tipped a bucket of water over somebody, which wasn't very clever. On purpose? Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I was being... What had they done? Well, I'd been there. It was a very hot summer's day and I'd been to the market to get all the flowers and um, I'd been told off because I hadn't done it properly and everything. And so I was sitting there doing the geraniums and decided that that was it. I was off and tip, picked up the bucket, threw it over her and really regretted it. I could see leaves in her hair thinking, oh, what have I just done? Um, and obviously fired, obviously. <laughs> and then made my way up to uh, Elizabeth Street where I had my second job and that's where my shopkeeper's story began. Obviously that told you, that screamed at you, it's probably best if you're your own boss. And so <laughs> when did you start under your own steam then? I was, a, I think my first... Well, I grew up in a family business, right. and so from the age of sort of 14, 15, it was up to me to put food on our table. Okay. I mean, that we know when we sort of, there's lots of funny stories, but actually the reality often in small businesses is where people are doing it to survive, and that's where I came from. But my first business, I was about 21, 22, my first skincare clinic, and this tiny little apartment that I rented with no furniture, no curtains, and four plastic jugs and a saucepan, and I would look after people um their faces and and care for them and as they left i would give them a little bottle of bath oil to say thank you and that's where my business started so on a scale of one to ten if today is 10 as far as beauty care is concerned if today is a 10 yeah what would it have been then that kind of world in oh two two, two three so yeah plenty of room for improvement then there's still room for improvement i mean it is one of the biggest growth industries that we see in both luxury and you know right the way across the board so you know skincare and beauty and fragrance and especially candles are a real growth area so, so benchmarks within that uh, two then till 10 now would would be candles would be what what else would the the big changes the game changes um the game i think skincare color I mean, colour, sort of makeup, which is not something that I, you know, particularly focus on. Um, but that is a huge. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing people start their businesses, which I loved to be in a, sort of on a kitchen table or just a dream in their head, and they start to build and yeah. create and build their businesses in a very different way. And you know, they're making millions and billions. You're seeing people like Huda Beauty. Um, Charlotte Tilbury. I mean, all these amazing sort of, of women who and men who are building great businesses for the future. Uh, now, Rachel doesn't know whether to talk to you or worship you. <laughs> I just, I think you're incredible. And Dave is right, you do smell amazing. <laughs> My scented candles, oh, I love scented candles, but they're quite an investment. Scented candles are, it's an expensive like gift or an expensive gift to yourself. Is it true that scented candles can go off? Because I've been given beautiful scented candles and I've kind of gone, oh, it's too beautiful to burn. And I kind of just put it on the shelf and look at it. And then about two years later, I'm thinking, oh, have I missed the boat on that one? Well, two or three years, yes. Yeah, I, okay. I mean, absolutely, I think. But the, the great thing about, um, you have to care for your candle. So you what are you to, waiting for two or three years? Because it's so beautiful and I don't want to waste it. And I think, oh, no, I'll not light it tonight because I would only light it for half an hour. And okay. yeah, what are the tips? So that that's the worst thing you can do is light a candle for half an hour because what happens is all of the oil rises to the surface in the candle and then you blow it out. So what, what can often happen, if you don't burn the candle for at least an hour and a half and make sure your wick is trimmed, the wick is the, the thing that you light, and make sure that it's not got a sort of like a cauliflower top on it, so you, yeah. you trim it. If you burn that candle correctly, the oil then dissipates back through the wax. But if you burn it quickly and then blow it out, all of the oil's in the top and you've lost all the fragrance to the candle. So oh, it, What a tip. That's, so a, that's only, a big tip. Only light it? it if you're going to let it burn for an hour and a half. Yeah. 
and always trim the wick. Blow it out, let it cool, and then trim the wick. Uh, the business side of you, Joe, um, failures as well as successes. You know, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, the fact that if you have a journey called life and you have a career within that life, if you if you categorise things as failures and successes, it, you don't need to do that. That's mm. not something you need to do. It's just progress, isn't it? And sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. But either helps you. And in many ways, the things that don't work help you more than things that do. Mm. So tell us about some of the things that haven't worked. Because it's easy for people who are mm. successful to say, oh, no, you learn more from your mistakes. Yeah, that's fine, because you're now successful ultimately. But to prove that, tell us some about the things that haven't worked for you. Um, I think starting the second brand was probably the place I made the most mistakes in. So I, I left um, the, the cream and black box, Joe Malone, a long time ago when it was sold to Estee Lauder. And I got everything right there. But in fact, I didn't because it was all behind closed curtains and nobody knew who I was. So I made all my mistakes. The second time round, creating Joe Loves, I made every mistake in the book. I got the packaging wrong the first time. I, got, I ran towards distribution. I did a pop-up in Selfridges. And I wasn't ready for it. The market didn't even realise I was there. And I just literally fell on my face every single day for about two years. Isn't that interesting? Every day I wanted to quit and think... I just feel such a, I felt such a fool, I really did. And then that really something deep within me just like get up and stop moaning and dust yourself off and find a way and push through. Now I'm looking at a business that is ready to go global again. again. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky, the best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. Virgin Radio, Virgin Radio, part of the wireless group. From the top of the news tower, we are Virgin Chilled, we are Virgin Anthems. We're also <laughs> Talk Radio, Talk Sport 2 and Talk Sport uh, which is how come Niles here? Okay, uh, can you just expand on why the heck you're in our building in the first place, Niles, if you can remember? Yeah, <laughs> lovely building, by the way. Congratulations cool. on your new office. Um, I'm here with uh, I'm up on the Talksport floor, three floors above, with uh, the one and only Alan Brazil and his counterpart uh, Ali McCoist. So I would, every time I come back to the UK. I just kind of pop on the show and have a chat with the lads. But well, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked me to come up. I was very, very honoured. Well, we're around, so we're moving up there, so we'll be next door to them. So Lovely. if they get on your nerves at all next time, you can just pop, pop over to us and then vice versa, <laughs> that'd be fine. Well, so uh, it's obviously the discussion this morning, Derby County, football in general, yeah. and a bit of golf as well. Yeah, a bit of golf, the bits and pieces going on up there. They were talking about my music and my album and... Bits and pieces like that. So, right, so they do a bit of music chat as well. Yeah, well, they have to, I guess. If they invite a musical guest on, they have to, <laughs> they're going to have to ask me what I do. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just back from America. I've been in, over in the States for the last couple of months making my album, and I'll be back sometime. Whereabouts, whereabouts would you be doing that in LA? In LA, yeah. I've got a house in LA that I've, I've, oh. I uh, live in, basically. I kinda, I'm kind of in denial about how much time I spend over there. Because um, I, I love London so much, but anytime I get an opportunity, I'll I'll come back and and come so back. So, how did you pick pick your studio and your producer over there? How did you do that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm with one of the best record labels around, and they helped me find a producer I wanted to work with. And I'm working with uh, Greg Kirsten, who did all the Adele stuff and and stuff like that. And and he's a great guy, and he just happens to be based out of LA. And and I like it there. The weather's good. For the oh, most I part, lo I, I love Los Angeles. Yeah. I love and it. Next time you're over, we have to go and hit a few golf balls. Well, okay, where are you playing? Don't, don't please don't say Pebble Beach. No, no, we'll just go, we'll go somewhere simple, somewhere easy. Because the last time we played golf together was at Wentworth, and it was quite hard. <laughs> <It was laughs> we struggled quite, that day. We did, didn't yeah, we? Did. You were you were particularly down on yourself, and I thought you played all right. Oh, I'm so upset. Yeah, I don't, I don't like playing bad. You golf. don't at all. No. And I was like, we're just here. You played as well, Master, didn't yeah. you? We're yeah. just here for the knock. And Niles, Kate, no, oh, I hope he's having a nice time. I don't think he's having a nice time. 
<laughs> quite big crowds following 10, your. Uh, we were, yeah, yeah, we we were in the group behind you. Yeah, and and there were sort of not necessarily traditionally golf fans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you could, you could say that again. But all I could take away from it was it was for a good cause and we did the right thing. Raised a fortune. Yeah, we did. Raised 200 grand, Massive. like that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you're big friends with Rory McIlroy, of course, you yes. did very well at the weekend. Yeah, Rory's flying. He's in, he's in unbelievable form. You can tell just by, I was saying to the boys upstairs, you can tell by just even talking to him that he's feeling very confident. So what's, the, what's changed? I mean, he's, he's happily married now, very stable mm, life. I don't know what it is. I, for me, whenever Rory's putter is hot, he's going to win. So I think he's feeling that he's confident over the putter and if he has the putter right, it's a no-brainer for him. I think what's he's the best be shot right. you've played in front of Rory McIlroy? Oh, if it's... See, anytime I've played golf... so many. Anytime, <laughs> anytime I've played golf for him, I've been terrible. Really? One, night, one time we played a uh, pro-am down at Wentworth and I was, this was when I was horrific at golf and I snap-hooked it off the first... or like the eighth tee and hit someone on the back of the leg after from about 30 yards. So it wasn't my, wasn't my best moment in golf. Didn't Did, you? Hang on. Didn't you get a hole-in-one at Augusta with Rory? No, I wish you know. I fell over at Augusta. <laughs> oh, no, that was it. Sorry. Yeah, it was the opposite. Well, why, why did you think he might have got a hole in one? I just, because I remember somebody got a hole in one and there's the par three thing and yeah, you can yeah, it for Rory mm. in, the, in the white overalls. Yeah. And I just remember it was there was a clip doing the rounds and oh, sorry it was you falling over it wasn't yeah. a hole in one somebody else. How else's could you mistake hole- falling over for a hole in one? Because somebody else's famous caddy got a <laughs> hole in one, but right. it just wasn't no, Rory's. Wasn't it, ja- yeah. wasn't it Jack <laughs> Nicholas's grandson? Oh, Jack Nicholas's yeah. grandson. That's what it was. Yeah, there, there you okay. go. D- yeah, you... I definitely, I did the complete opposite to that. I didn't even make it to the tee box. I think the giveaway, Vass. No offense, but I think the giveaway uh, that it wasn't um, Nile is when I said, "What's the best shot you've hit in front of Rory yeah. McIlroy?" Had he had a hole in one, he probably would have yeah, replied, was... "The hole in one I hit in front of Augusta." <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's a fair point. Oh god. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget, you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.